Section 61 of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibreVox recording. All LibreVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter 61. I have seen someone like her one moment only one she kept her fair face in the fragrant blossoms one moment to taste perhaps for the last time the sweet draught of love one moment in which to curse the folly the bitter black sin of her girlhood and to moan over the impending evil then she raised her face again surely some of the sweetness of the flowers had passed into it it had never seemed too early so tender or so sweet what were you saying just now early about a glass or someone's eyes never been taken from my face if my grammar is involved it is your fault i cannot imagine who he is cried early we have been here nearly an hour and he has never looked at the stage I do not think he has heard one note of the music. He has done nothing but look at you earnestly. Perhaps he admires my jewels or my flowers, she said coquettishly. It is your face, said Early impatiently. What do men care for jewels or for flowers? Who is he, Early? Where is he? Is it anyone I know? I should imagine that it's someone that you know, who is waiting for some sign of recognition from you, said Early. You cannot fail to see him, Doris, in the center box on the second tier. He seems to be a tall, handsome man. He wears a white japonica, his glasses turned straight upon you. I cannot return the compliment and look fixedly at him, she said but I will take one glance at him, and I'll see if I know him. Calmly, slowly, deliberately, yet with the fire and hate of fury burning in her heart, she laid down her dainty bouquet. She took up the jeweled opera glass, held it for a moment lightly balanced in her hand, then, with a calm, proud smile, raised it to her eyes oh heavens that the first glimpse of those dark eyes looking fire into her own did not kill her her heart gave a terrible bound she could have cried aloud in her agony and have died but the studied nerve was uppermost the studied courage in full play her hands did not tremble nor her lips quiver quite calmly she looked as though she saw a stranger for the first time, and even then a stranger who did not interest her. She laid down the glass and turned to Early with a smile. I do not know the gentleman. I have not seen him before. At that same moment, he who had been watching her with such eager interest made her a low bow. He appears to recognize you, said Early he's bowing to you she did not make even the least acknowledgment in return 
he cannot know me she said calmly he is mistaken i have never seen him before he must be either very dull or foolish to mistake you my darling for any one else said early i defy the whole world to show another face like yours it is someone whom you have met and forgotten be kind and give him some little acknowledgment doris see he is bowing again she raised her eyes to his face lady studleigh returns no bows for strangers she said haughtily and early felt himself rebuked at that moment sir harry Doram entered the box to pay his respects to the veil of the evening early asked him eagerly if he knew the gentleman in the centre box who wore the white japonica know him said sir harry laughingly yes of course i do every one knows him that is lord charles Viviane. the familiar name fell upon hers like a dead knell early repeated in surprise lord Viviane? i have heard of him often enough though i never saw him before i have surely heard some romantic story about some love affair early interrupted lady doris do you think lady linley looks tired she merely asked the question the first that came into her mind to divert his attention she succeeded perfectly sir harry went to ask the countess if she were fatigued early bent over lady doris chair you have some strange things to answer for he said lightly for one moment she looked startled what do you mean early she asked i believe he replied that you have made a conquest of this famous lord Viviane. heaven forbid she said and she said it so earnestly that early looked at her in utter wonder i am tired of conquest early she said trying to smile i want nothing no one but you no love but yours it is almost cruel doris to make me such a beautiful speech in the presence of a crowded opera-house where it is impossible that i can thank you properly for it how would you thank me properly for it early she asked coquettishly i would count the number of letters in the words and i would give you as many kisses as there are letters kissing is not fashionable she said it is very well for common people but ladies of fashion do not indulge in such old-fashioned manners then i hope you will not be a lady of fashion much longer said early the opera was over lady studleigh looked across the house to see if her enemy was gone No he was still there looking earnestly at her perhaps she thought to herself he's waiting to go out when we do shall you wait for the ballet doris said early wait she would have waited until doomsday to have avoided him yes she replied i should like to see the ballet then she asked herself if she had not done a very stupid thing in trying to defer the evil day he would speak to her that was evident perhaps it would have been better over and done with 
he had still to wait during the brilliant scenes of the ballet she sat as it were with her grim fate in her hands she talked she laughed she played with her flowers coquetted with her fan she listened to love speeches from early she exchanged smiling remarks with the countess yet all the time she was perfectly conscious that he sat silent immovable his burning glass fixed on her face never for one moment releasing her some friend joined him of whom he asked a question from the quick glance given to her she knew that it was of her they spoke asking her name in all probability what would he think when he heard it surely he would say to himself that he was mistaken the lady studley and the girl who had been so dazzled with his gold could not be the same she was right in her conjecture he had asked her name and learning it he had been bewildered when he first saw her first caught a glimpse of her face his heart had given one fierce bound of triumph he had found her there was not such another face he had found her he knew the graceful lines of the figure the shapely neck the sheen of the golden hair the beautiful face at first he thought of nothing but that he had found her then daft came to him could it be doris this lovely high-bred lady in the sheen of her jewels and splendor of her attire besides how could doris be in that box evidently one of an august circle the gentleman talking to her had a star on his breast it could not be doris yet he knew who so well the graceful bend of the proud neck even the pretty gesture of the little white hands it must be doris who was the gentleman with the white star on his breast who the calm graceful lady who the young man with the face of a poet he could not solve the enigma but he would find it out if it were not doris then it was some one so much like her that he could not take his eyes from her face a friend joined him no other than colonel clifford who laughed to see him sitting with that intent look so you are doing what you said you never would do he said what is that asked lord vivian joining in the popular devotion was the laughing reply clifford said lord vivian do you know that girl the one with the diamonds in her golden hair and white flowers in her hands colonel clifford laughed to himself yes he replied i know her she's the lady studley the handsome earl's only daughter lord linley's heiress the queen of the season the belle par excellence of st james lady studley that lady studley he repeated i do not believe you i cannot believe you he gasped it is a great pity as it is most certainly true do you not know the earl of linley the other lady with them is the countess she was the duke of downsbury's daughter that lady studley i cannot believe it it cannot be perhaps 
said the colonel laughingly we should come to some surer conclusion if you would tell me who you imagine it to be lord vivianne looked impatiently at him i did not say that i imagined her to be anyone else he replied hastily so that is really the young beauty over whom just at present london is losing its head you are right if you would like an introduction to the earl my brother is here he knows him well what do you think of lady studleigh report has not exaggerated her beauty what do i think of her i will tell you clifford when i have spoken to her not before you are difficult to please if she does not please you i-i cannot help thinking i have seen someone like her he said slowly i wonder if i am right hardly it is not a common type of face you may have done so i have not colonel clifford dearly loved gossip if he had found lord vivianne in a better temper he would have told him the romance of the earl's marriage and how his daughter was brought up in a very different position of life to that she now occupied as it was he did not tell him feeling that his lordship lacked civility so it happened that not until long afterward did lord charles hear the story that would have solved many of his doubts he sat and watched her sometimes so convinced of her identity that he could have called out doris again wondering how he could be so foolish as to imagine he had found his lost love in lord linley's daughter he could not take his eyes from the beautiful face he longed to hear her speak to see if the voice was that of doris he remembered its low sweet music so well if he could hear her speak he would be a thousand times more sure he waited until he saw them leave the box and he hastened so as to be in the dressing-room with them standing nearer to her he would surely be able to judge are you cold my darling asked early as he saw her drawing the pot of her opera cloak over her head the house was warm she replied in a low voice no movement of her enemy was lost upon her she knew that he was close to her that the fragrance of her flowers reached him she saw that he pushed his way even nearer and stood where he could have touched her he looked intently at her her face was shaded and softened by the crimson hood once she looked around as though curious to see who was near her then her eyes met his quietly coldly without the least light or recognition or shadow of fear in them she looked at him for one half moment indifferently as she glanced at everyone else then looked away again leaving him more puzzled than ever End of chapter 61 Recorded by Gaby Cowan